0: Afternoon, I'm Sue O'Connell in for Cali Crossley, and it's put me in coach. It's not about the airline industry. No, it's a baseball song by the great John Fogerty, and of course, baseball season is in full swing. We're paying tribute to the American pastime with a focus today on Little League and what the game means to inner-city kids. I'm joined by Harry Smith, president of the Jamaica Plain Reagan Youth Baseball League, and Mike Kudish, he's the commissioner for South End Baseball. You can join in the conversation at 877-301-8970, that's eight seven seven three zero one eight nine seven zero. 301 8970 Were you a product of the Little League? Is your kid benefiting from one of these baseball programs? Give us a call. Harry, Mike, welcome to both of you. Thank you.
1: Thanks
0: for having us. So, Mike, you know, we work together a lot in uh, in the South End. Uh, I'm obviously over at South End News, and South End Baseball has been so important to the youth there. What's... what? brought you to be involved in in Little League? I mean, were you a Little League player? Are you a baseball fan?
2: I'm a huge fan, and I did play as a kid uh, where I grew up in Newton. And actually, uh, the way I became involved in South End baseball was by uh, answering an ad that was in the South End News. And I think it was either 97 or 98, looking for volunteers. Uh, And I umpired my first year and then jumped on as a coach and kind of stepped up from there as as, uh, more opportunities. And we grew and People needed to uh you know to to do more um, to get the league to to grow so
0: Harry one of the things I know um my daughter's involved in in little league in the suburbs in canton, and it's so easy in the suburbs to take these things for granted, take soccer for granted and field hockey and the recreation department, and in the city in the urban areas it's a bit more complicated for kids. A just because of the size of the city, you don't all have a you know a community newspaper or a, a, a gathering spot even within the neighborhoods for you to get the information. Right. But also just the, some of the challenges that the urban kids do in terms of family structure and poverty. Um, what what are the challenges for you and in, in your league in in getting connected to kids and, and getting the money that you need to do what you need to do?
1: Well, the Jamaica Plain Regan Youth League has fifty four teams. We have eight hundred and fifty kids now playing, and um, we go to local businesses and and uh, individuals who sponsor each team, which is kind of the you know backbone of our whole league. It is a challenge getting field space. We don't have you know a lot of suburban towns have a have a complex and a field house and they sell concessions mm-hmm. and that kind of thing and raise money that way. We are on about ten different fields. Across JP, there's a lot of competition for field time. Uh, so that's a logistical headache. And and like you said, just getting the, some of the kids, getting them transportation, getting them to the games, getting them home uh, is is a challenge. But we have a lot of volunteers, a lot of people who have been doing this. Now it's our 43rd year, so we, we have a lot of people who have been really um, focused on it, and we have a pretty good system in place.
0: You know, Mike, I know in the South End it's always um, – it's startling to me how surprising it is to new residents who move to the neighborhood, and I'm sure it's the same, Harry, in, in, in your neck of the woods, that we have a little league. you know. And when opening day happens, there's a parade and the kids march down to the field and it makes everybody happy to see it. Um, but there are you know real nitty-gritty challenges that you have having teams and having kids in the city.
2: Sure. When uh, we started with the league, the area around our, our main park, which is Peter's Park, that we use for our uh, 12 and under program was there was basically no development. There It was a lot of empty lots. Um, and over the years as uh, new development has come in, it, it has created some challenges, but I think that, you know, to have an urban park that sees a lot of use and a lot of life and the challenges, I think to the people who live near it are worth it because they see sort of, you know, the, the community that is over there and, and, um, you know the building that happens. So I think that the you know it's a give and take. But
0: the phone number is eight seven seven three zero one eight nine seven zero. We'd love to hear from you. Are are you a uh, product of of urban little league? Are you involved in it? We'd love to talk about your experience, Harry. Um, the the other challenge I think that uh, I, I know firsthand in, in the South End League. Uh, you can suddenly have a big disaster in terms of a financial issue. I remember one year, one of the vans didn't work back in, you know, 1998. And there was a little league appearance or uh, at one of the, the major uh, competitions. Um, and suddenly, you know, a donor came in and bought a van for the kids. And, and these sort of crisis moments don't happen in the suburbs.
1: Well, we're right. We're pretty much living year to year. We really depend on the generosity of sponsors. Uh, and then we, get, we also have a lot of individual donors. We do a raffle every year that, that uh, is our biggest fundraiser. And But we really, you're right, we don't have much of a cushion to, to deal with disasters as they come. And luckily, when we have had that, we've had people step up and say, you know, I'll take care of this, I'll take care of that. But it, it is a little... A little stressful every year.
0: And, Mike, this year, South End Baseball is mourning the loss of Paul Runculus. Uh Paul, of course, was a major force. In South End baseball, he passed away uh, last year. A great fundraiser, you know. Incredible. uh, It's it's amazing how many things that man could ask for. You both dreaded and loved seeing him come through the door because you knew he was going to ask you for a lot, and you knew it was all for a good purpose. Pulling together all sorts of of Red Sox stars, Louis Tiant, Jim Rice, um, just folks who were there and invested in in seeing the kids have a great experience
2: yeah Paul was uh, such an amazing force in the community and and certainly with the fundraising but I think the what what people didn't see as much about what he did was to really push kids that were at the margins of our program um, the kids who maybe were in in the most dangerous spot as far as you know the choices that they could make and the directions that they could go and to stick with them and to stick by them and there are kids who uh, Paul was really the only person uh, that they had to turn to at times. And I think that they are on a path that they would never be on had Paul not intervened in their lives. So he's a, a huge loss uh, from the fundraising perspective, but from the, the South End baseball community and the kids, I think is it's 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 immeasurable really. And
0: Paul, you know, it's funny. I think when you talk about little league or you talk about kids sports and grown ups being involved in kids sports, some of the bad images of, you know, crazy dads yep. and crazy moms and, you know, um, incidents that happen on the field between the parents pop up in your mind. And that is, you know, from all of our experiences, probably the tiny minority of what happens. And Paul, and I'm sure this is true across the city, <clears throat> he didn't focus on who was winning, you know, how the kids were playing. He would pull in some of the, the, the The kids that went on to be professional ball players to bring them in because he knew it connected with the kids, but he would often call us for tickets to the ballet, you know to bring the kids you know I've got five kids or six kids. do you have any tickets for me and It was so much about uh more than just playing on the field but just about being connected to this great city that we all live in that you know we all know that urban kids sometimes don't feel connected to
2: oh absolutely. But Paul, I guess, I think at his heart, he wasn't, you know, he wasn't an on-the-field guy. He wasn't a baseball guy. He, you know, he loved the game. But I, I think it was the opportunity to really make a difference for kids that—that um, that is what pushed him. And uh, it, it's, he's, he's sorely missed uh, at the field. We're
0: so. talking Little League, 877-301-8970. You're listening to 89.7 WGBH Online and WGBH.org. Harry, what are the, the lessons? You know, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a huge baseball fan, uh, and I'm thrilled that my daughter, after, you know, 10 years on this earth, has finally decided to play some softball, you know. And what, what in your viewpoint, are the lessons that baseball can teach kids that are different from some of the other organized sports?
1: Well, I have three daughters. or Two of them are playing baseball. One's playing softball. And, and what I really want them to get out of this experience is uh, – is both the you know athletic challenge, the discipline that you, that it takes to to play and excel at a sport, but also in a neighborhood like Jamaica Plain that is so diverse, it's really an opportunity to um, to learn to play and work with other other kids, and and we have kids come from not just Jamaica Plain, but Roxbury, Dorchester, Mattapan, Rosendale. and and it's really a a place where. There is true diversity, and that that doesn 't happen very much in Boston, I think still to this day, and I think it 's a place where kids are really learning to work things out and and the parents and the volunteer coaches are really encouraging that and and building it using baseball as a vehicle, but it, it really is something that kids carry with them and We hear back from people during our opening day parade. We had a police officer running the, helping run the parade uh, this year, and he said, "You know I played in the Regan League when I was till I was twelve years old and you know, I, I'll never forget my coach. He named his coach. I mean, it's the kind of experience that, if it's done well, kids really will remember.
0: Mike, what are what, who are some of the success stories in terms of professional ball players? I know there's a couple that have come out of the South End well, League.
1: We have had a couple. We uh,
2: Manny Del Carmen did play with us some, um, as and with you guys. Yeah, as well, we I all believe. claim Manny yeah. Del Carmen. He played in the Reading um, League too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Juan Carlos Portes uh, played with us as a. Uh, all along and uh, was drafted by Minnesota um but and and as great as as those stories are i think what what really makes us happy because it's, it's so few and far between that you're going to see uh someone get drafted at that level but to see our kids go on to college to see them succeed in in other ways is is really a lot more gratifying because it's it, it is such a a small percentage chance that you're going to make it to uh professional baseball. Um, and, you know, we've had uh, a coach bring a scholarship fund. He and his wife brought a scholarship fund up that they've uh, now given over a hundred thousand dollars to kids that have gone on to college from our program. And um, so that's really the, the, that's really the end game that that really really makes us happy.
0: Eight seven seven three zero one eight nine seven zero. The number to dial. Join us in the conversation. We're talking about Little League. Are you involved? Are your kids involved? Do you want to be involved? Uh, how has baseball Little League changed your life, Harry? What are um, you know the major challenges you have with reaching the kids and reaching the families to get them connected? And is it for you in the Regan League? Is it is it an all year? Sort of process, or is it just kind of ramp up when it gets to be winter and spring and then and then dormant for the rest of the year?
1: No, it goes on all year. I recognize there was about a two week period in early December where no one called me about Regan League, and i <laughs> I didn't know what was going on, but we we run a, a summer program as well for teenagers thirteen to eighteen this year. we uh, started doing some fall tournaments and and a little internal league, and so it really goes on. All year, and I think the, um, you know, the real the real challenge in reaching the families and the kids is when you get to the older kids. At the younger level, a lot of parents are involved and um, come to all the games. So when you get to our pony league, which is thirteen to fifteen years old, and then we call it the show, which is our sixteen to eighteen year old summer league, uh, that's where you're really hitting the kids um, that that would be making different choices and. And you're trying to get them out and you're trying to go find them and what's going on. And, and, and um, sometimes you have to go track them down and remind them they have a game tonight. And, and, and we've definitely had kids who have come back and said, you know, I wasn't a very good baseball player, but I, I wanted to play because it kept me out of trouble. We've heard that more than once. And that's both the challenge and the huge reward of, of the work
0: you know mike I've heard this at a uh, by several educators whom I know and it 's not just about urban kids it 's about all all teenagers, especially to harry 's point that in those teen years they have to join something you know and you need to present them with opportunities to make good choices in joining You can 't force them to join something, but if you 're giving them a good a good couple of choices and they join their lives will be so much better
2: absolutely and our, our I think our kids these days are pulled in so many different directions, certainly so many more than, than any of us when we were their age. Um, and I, I, you know, I think that more and more you see kids, um, moving away from outdoor activities and, and just to get out on the field and to, to, um, you know, to mix with people that they wouldn't necessarily be with, to, you know, build relationships that, that really last uh, a lifetime with people that they wouldn't necessarily ever meet if it weren't for the leagues, because as you said, the diversity and the uh, the opportunity to compete and to work with and to, uh, you know, to, to just go out and have fun with at, you know, at, at that age, especially when you're really starting to figure out where you're going and, and building your future is is extremely important.
0: I'm Sue O'Connell. I'm sitting in for Callie Crossley. We're talking, of course, about Little League. I'm speaking with Harry Smith, president of Jamaica Plain Reagan Youth Baseball League, and Mike Kudish, the commissioner of South End Baseball. We'd love to hear from you. 877- 301-8970. Coaches, parents, folks whose lives were changed by Little League, we're at 877- 301-8970. The conversation can continues on WGBH, Boston Public Radio.
3: This program is on WGBH thanks to you. And Direct Tire and Auto Service, providing tire and auto repair since 1974 in Watertown, Norwood, Peabody, and Natick. Direct Tire proudly supports The Takeaway, weekday mornings on WGBH Radio. And SH Construction offering residential renovations, custom building, historic restorations, energy conservation, site work solutions, and remodeling to the greater Boston area for over 30 years. SHConstruction.com. And Harvard Vanguard Medical Associates offering complete health care for you and your family. With 21 locations across greater Boston, Harvard Vanguard welcomes new patients and accepts most insurance. CareMadeEasy.org, an affiliate of Atrius Health.
0: Next time on The World, a U.S. Army captain in Afghanistan observed tribal customs to win over insurgents. Because there is an avenue in Pashtunwali to forgive your enemy and make peace without people having to give up blood for blood. How Captain Michael Colton gained the trust and cooperation of the fighters who had killed some of his men. His story, next time on The World. Coming up at 3 o'clock here at 89.7 WGBH.
4: It's time to spring into action for the 47th annual WGBH Spring Auction. Bid on fine jewelry, gift certificates, exciting vacations, weekend getaways, and even a brand new Toyota Prius, donated by your New England Toyota dealer. Every winning bid supports WGBH radio and television. So not only will you get a great deal, you'll feel great while you're doing it. But act fast. The Spring Auction ends on May 31st. Place your bids now at auction.wgbh.org.
0: Welcome back to the Callie Crossley Show. I'm Sue O'Connell, sitting in for Callie. If you're just joining us, we're talking about Little League with a focus on what it means for inner-city kids. I'm joined by Harry Smith, president of the Jamaica Plain Reagan Youth Baseball League, and Mike Kudish of the South South End Baseball. He's the commissioner. It must be fun being the commissioner. (laughs) That must be like a great title. You can join us at 877-301-8970. Um, a couple of our uh, our callers don't want to be on the air, but they have sent us some questions, so I'll do my host duty and, and relate them to you. One caller wanted to know, um, is Little League more about the parents than the kids? The kids get bored and the parents get to bond, <laughs> which I think is true. I mean, if anyone is... Um, I, I have my friends, my, my daughter's parents' friends, and I have my own little clique at soccer and baseball. But we were talking during the break about how... Um, involved you need to have grown-ups be and some of the lessons that baseball teaches that other sports don't. Harry, you want to take a crack at well, it first?
1: I think I've think, um, played Little League, i played a lot of youth sports, and there are definitely times when it was more about the parents. I think when it's done well, it's it can be both. You have the parents bonding, but you also have the kids learning and, and being together, and uh, I think it really just depends on how things are, are organized. I I think that um, we are talking in the break about baseball and softball being, you know, a game of failure and, and you know, you have to – you fail more than you succeed and, and that's a great life lesson. It's also a lesson when it's a team sport but you're also up there alone batting or pitching and it's just you and the pitcher and that's uh, that's something that, that other sports don't always offer. It's more of all group activities and, and one kid breaks away every once in a while but right. baseball really – has a lot of those lessons for you.
0: And Mike, um, the next caller wanted to know, with kids being so overscheduled and hyperactive, is baseball too slow a sport to sell them (laughs) on? Now, from my experience with my daughter, she didn't play any of the the little tyke stuff. She went right in at 11, which is a very different time. But I I mean, I am grateful after her forays into soccer and basketball to really slow it down. And, And it's a thinking game and a strategy game, um, which I think totally is a full body and mind involvement. I mean, uh, what do you do with the little kids? How do you keep them uh, together? It, it, it
2: can be tough. There is certainly a, a difference about the pace of baseball than with, you know, the other popular sports, basketball and soccer and now lacrosse. And, uh, I mean, it can be a challenge. Yeah, lacrosse, to... where did that come from? <laughs> did they
0: even have lacrosse when we were kids? I don't know. <laughs> uh, not, not much,
2: but and it, it can be a challenge. I think engaging kids um, in baseball when, you know, in those in those slow, quiet moments, especially when, you know, you, you're not in the field and, and you've got 11, 12, 13 kids on the bench, it can be difficult. But, I, I, you know, there is a, a collectiveness. Uh, it, I'm sure you guys, there's cheering on your benches and kids getting involved. And I, I think, you know, we... It's something that we have such an amazing network of volunteers. And they, uh, the coaches, the the other league officials... It's um, it's something that we're all committed to to really engaging our kids, and um, you know whether it's small jobs that kids may have on the bench during the games, um, you know just uh, you know making sure that the lineup is is in order, making sure that the bench is 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 clear, you know where kids positioned, um, and, and cheering. I, I think that that while baseball does at times maybe is not for everyone because it is a slower game. Uh, I think there are definitely opportunities and avenues to engage kids. All and it time. is,
0: you know, it is an interesting brain game, too. And and, and as I said, you know, entering into the mix with a, a, someone who's already played sports, my daughter, she didn't realize how many, how many coaches there were. You know, also that it's so quiet that everyone coaches you, including the people in the stands, you know, which is not an experience you have on the soccer field because you can't hear anybody, which they're happy about. But it really does... You know, sort of fire up their brains in a different way that and I love the you know as a as we talked about earlier uh off air I always when I was a sales manager, I used to tell salespeople that you know the best batter in 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 the world is failing seventy percent of the time, right. you know that babe Ruth led the league in strikeouts the year he led the league in home runs, and that dealing with failure and Dealing with it being a team sport as well as an individual sport, is it's a, it's a complicated game, and it's great to see little kids be able to embrace that.
1: I think the other thing, with, the, especially with the little kids, that a lot of uh, adults uh, are surprised at when they first see it is how practices are run and how things are done now. They have this image of how they used to be a lot of times, which was one kid batting and 18 kids out in the field shagging balls, and now you've got multiple parents involved stations kids running from place to place Mm -hmm. with the little t-ballers the first thing we do is we just start them running bases and get them in the right direction and in the right direction that's a big that's a big step forward yeah
0: i have a friend who actually he he ran he's uh five he ran to first base after he made a hit and then his teammate got up and he fielded that ball threw him out and then went back to first base so it worked out really well (laughs) So parents are surprised by how
1: tired their kids are by the end of the day. Always, a, always a plus. And, so it's great.
0: Mike, I want to talk to you about the scheduling, the overscheduling of, of kids and the play thing. You know, it's a very different – I mean, every generation says this. But, you know, I'd, I don't see kids anywhere going out and just doing pickup games. You know, I, I, I don't see it in the south end. I don't see it in the suburbs. And I'm wondering what it's like to get kids of all sorts who are used to organized – Play or supervise play. I mean, even their video games and their Wii and and everything they play has rules. You know, has a has a way of keeping score. And I'm just wondering, you know, from your experience as when you were a kid and there wasn't that much supervision to now, where even in the inner city, there's a lot. What are the kids like? I mean, if if the coach didn't show up one day, would they know what to do? I hmm. uh, I mean, I think and I don't the, mean the littles. I mean, right, You know well, the,
2: uh, it, Yes, I mean, I, as uh, as Harry pointed out, we have you know, um, there is a lot of structure in practices and in games, and and you know, I, I I think that that while kids are stretched thin, I think that you know, they're forced in this day and age to uh, to confront things that that maybe we didn't when we were kids, just because of of all the various directions that they're pulled and and. Uh, uh, just from that perspective, I think that they would be able to to uh, get by if if Coach wasn't there. Um, but to reach kids and, uh, you know, we get so many different uh, various types of kids, so much diversity from a from a, you know, a, a sociological aspect, uh, but also economic. from a, a baseball Aspect We have kids that, you know, this is just something to do and and it's not the most important thing in their life. And then there are kids who, you know, they wear their uniform to bed the night before (laughs) the game and, and, you know, they're up at five in the morning waiting to go to the field. So, um, I mean, I I, I think that uh, it's it's such an amazing melting pot um, that we have and that, that I know the Reagan League has as well. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a really, it's a really cool, interesting dynamic.
0: You're listening to 89.7 WGBH and online at wgbh.org. I'm Sue O'Connell in for Callie Crossley. We're talking about the Little League with Harry Smith and Mike Kudish. You can join the conversation at 877-301-8970. We're going to go to Chris, who's calling us from Boston. Chris, welcome to the Callie Crossley Show. What's on your mind?
2: Hi, thanks. Um, this has been a great discussion. One of my questions is um, Little League, the organization Little League, sort of recognizes the importance of, of the volunteer coach. And I think you guys have done a great job of, of sort of lauding the volunteer coach. And I wonder how, what your respective perspectives are on the notion that Little League also calls the volunteer coach the kind of Achilles heel of Little League, in that, you know, these are volunteers, they're untrained volunteers and um and that so much kind of the experience for some of these young kids rests on the ability of coaches to come in and kind
1: of teach baseball to these kids yet they are untrained some of them may have played baseball some of them may have played through high school or college but by and large they're volunteers so i just
4: wonder what your perspective are, is on that
0: That's a well, great call Chris thanks so much I I think
1: i think there's a lot of difference uh between a volunteer and an untrained volunteer. Our, our volunteer coaches um, actually do get a lot of training. We have a partnership with uh, Champs Boston, which is a program of the Boston Foundation that's trained about 50 or 60 of our coaches over the last couple years in, uh, in a whole range of areas, not so much on-field coaching, but kind of whole approach to the game, how to work with the kids, how to work with the parents. And then we also have coach orientations, and we mentor new coaches and old coaches. And... Um, so i think I think the caller 's right that when it 's an untrained situation and you just kind of throw them out there, it can be a real challenge, and we try to do everything we can to provide as much structure and training so that the coaches do feel comfortable because it 's about them as well. We want to have volunteers coming back
0: and mike that 's one of the things that parents should look for. I know from my own experience that you know some some leagues not just little league but sub sports leagues are better at training uh the the coaches sometimes it's hard to get coaches and sometimes you know uh, unfortunately for all good intentions you sometimes just have a warm body there and it's it's something parents should be shopper aware about
2: right well certainly but I, I think we're extremely lucky to have the you know the volunteers that we do and and we work with them as well but uh we have you know some coaches who have been around for for you know a decade 20 years and um you know we're all learning as we go along. And and we start at at one level. And I mean, I was a terrible coach when I started. (laughs) And and I'm, you know, marginally better now. But um, the thing that we're seeing now, which is is amazing, is we actually have kids who have come up through our program and gone from, you know, who I can remember playing when they were seven years old and who are now coaching in our 13 to 15 year old program. And uh, I mean, I think that 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 part of it as well is, you know, you're not going to like every coach that you have. Parents aren't going to like their coaches necessarily. Kids might not like their coaches. Um, And I I think that's one of the lessons as well. You know, we go through life and and we're going to have jobs. We're going to be in situations where, you know, perhaps we're we're not blessed with with the greatest of people that we work with. And you make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And while we we do our best, certainly, to make sure that our coaches and our volunteers are doing the best job that they can, you know, it's that's part of the lessons of, of I think, the program as well. So.
0: Pamela is uh, joining us on the phone. Pamela, welcome to the Callie Crossley Show.
5: Hi, thanks for having me. So I just wanted to call in to um, just say thank you to Mike and Harriet. I, I'm, I'm sure you don't get enough people who pat you on the back. But we we spent two years in the JP League, um, and we're now in the suburbs. And as I was telling your screener, I think those two years were some of the most memorable and some of the moments for my kids in their, you know, sports, baseball career, if you will. Um, and I think part of it was, for us as a family, it was, um, you know, I think when you're in the city, I think there's a level of parents that, that stay in the city who aren't always just about we've got to win, we've got to win. So it was it was a nice equalizing experience, both on and off the field. And also, the coaching, I know my son, when he was 9, 10, and 11, his coach was a Boston City policeman. And when I was talking to the coach, I was asking him, how did you, how did you end up well, you know, doing this you know, coaching? And he said, well, and, I, and Harry could probably speak to this more more formally if it, if it, if it is the formal program with the Boston City Police. But he said that they had been encouraged to do that so that they could kind of get to know the kids as they were coming up, you know, coming of age. And to kind of capture them before, you know, they make the wrong choices um, down the road. And I know my son was like so like in awe of him because he was like a rock star to him. Um, and I thought that was just so strategic, and he was, he was an amazing, amazing coach, and he really, when Harry and Mike were talking about how some of the kids get really bored or whatever throughout the game, you could see a significant shift from the beginning of the season to where that season ended, and those kids who would come just for snack in the beginning of the season, they were out like running their hearts out for balls to get, you know, when they're in the outfield by the end of the season.
0: Great panel. So I thank, just wanted to say thank you. Th- thank you so much for your call. I mean, it you know, it's it's uh it's an all volunteer organization for the most part, most of the little leagues. Do you do you guys get enough love, do you think?
1: It's that's great to hear. I, we don't get enough love ever. <laughs> I I I uh last Saturday a, a parent came up and said, "Oh, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing." And I said, "But," she goes, "No, no, <laughs> but I just want to thank you." I said, "Oh, that cuz most of the days it's some something's gone wrong with the Portageon or the yeah. uh, umpire didn't show up or something. But I really Appreciate it. I think in terms of the police, we do have the local E13 police who have been really supportive. Donated gloves to, this year. They sponsored a team by holding a raffle in order to raise the five hundred dollars sponsorship. And and it's really the officers. It's not just coming down from above. It's saying we really believe in this. So uh, so that's a great example that that the caller gave in about the kind of local mm-hmm. support.
0: And Mike, what what can parents do for all their coaches? I mean, what's what's the <laughs> thing that uh, that coaches like other than the Dunkin' Donuts? You know, ten yeah. dollar. Uh, card that you all get. <laughs> I, I
2: think our, our parents are are tremendous. You know, you had mentioned earlier in the program about some of the, the bad stories that you hear, and we've been uh, blessed uh, over the years and, and have never really had um, problems like that. I, I think our parents are generally supportive of of the coaches and of their players. I, I mean, I think that one of the things that we try to build, and, and I see it in other city programs, um, that is different than the suburbs is it's it's really a community it's really a family and our our coaches our parents we know the players on the other teams we coach the players on the other teams before games at our practices they might show up with a a player might show up with a friend who plays on a different team and and I, i think the parents uh are an extension of that i think that that you know they'll come down and and they know kids on the team their their son is playing against or that their daughter is playing against and um it, it's it's just a it's a it 's a very collective different sort of feeling than than certainly what I grew up with
6: mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it 's also you know to yeah. to the point too Harry, about the police involvement it 's so important especially in urban communities because of the way we live and don 't interact you know for adults to know who the kids are you know that that knowing that this kid is in your neighborhood that this is a a resident of your neighborhood you know and and just being able to recognize. Uh, Who's who is is such a way to bring people together.
1: Absolutely. I think that's the the most positive feedback we get um, in our parent surveys at the end of the year is just that this is a real opportunity – where, where kids, it sounds corny, but it's where kids and families of all different backgrounds are, are not just coming together to sit next to each other, but they're actually interacting, they're coaching together, they're playing on other teams. As Mike said, we scramble the teams up a lot so that there's kids who've, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing against each other, but they were teammates last year, and, they, and there's a certain just warmth about it and, um, f- and just an, a nice spirit in the whole league.
0: And what do you need most? What do you need most this year, Mike? Well, besides, a you know, a left-handed pitcher, what do you need? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, we're always, you know, we're always looking for help, Our, whether you want to uh, volunteer or um, if there are, you know, any donations that, that people want to make or or just come down to the field and see the kids. You know, the, we, we do get a good uh, following at the field. The community tends to be pretty well involved. But, um, you know, the kids love when there's life in the park. That is it's the best thing because the the baseball is is fun especially on the the small diamond i think the speed of the game is just it's great and to see the community out uh and and following the kids and cheering for the kids uh is just it it's it, it really on a weeknight or or all day Sunday or Saturday, just come out to Peter's Park or or Rice Field, Carter Field in the South End. I know you guys play it uh, behind
1: uh, on the Agassiz School, yeah, Murphy and over Field, it. Daisy Field, all over all mm-hmm. Jamaica Way. You drive down the Jamaica Way, you'll see three or four games mm-hmm. going on.
0: And Harry, what do you need? What what's your need? League?
1: Uh, we always need volunteered volunteer coaches, other volunteers to help with events and activities. Um, and we are we're running a summer program this year, like we do every year, and we're trying to expand it to kids who are 13 to 18 year olds. So we're looking for we are looking for team sponsors. We're looking for donations uh, of you know good equipment. We're looking for financial contributions. Anything we can get that will help us keep keep the kids on the field all summer.
0: And who's who are your picks for uh, how are the Red Sox going to do this year?
2: <laughs> I think that's. Some- much more difficult question. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure your kids
0: are probably in, in better shape than they are, apparently.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, maybe. maybe.
0: <laughs> better fitness training. Well, we've been talking about Little League. I've been speaking with Harry Smith, the president of Jamaica Plain Reagan Youth Baseball League, and Mike Kudish, the commissioner of South End Baseball. Coming up, it's another rite of passage. Prom! <laughs> Film critic Garen Daly joins us to talk about how the big night is portrayed on the big screen. You're listening to 89.7 W GBH Boston Public Radio.
3: Funding for our programs comes from you and Hannaford and Dumas commercial printers, offset and digital printing, finishing and mailing from one source. You can find more information at hannaforddumas.com or by calling 866-QUOTE-HD. And UMass Memorial Healthcare and its Gynecologic Surgeons, providing minimally invasive and robotic techniques for cancer, fibroids, infertility, and more. You can ask questions online at umassmemorial.org slash gynsurgery. And InuWindow and in Natick with the Hunter Douglas Celebration of Light Spring Event, featuring the new cordless light rise silhouette shades, as well as Duet, Architella, and Luminette shading systems. UWindow.com.
6: Both so-called underwear plots to down American planes originated in Yemen. So did the foiled plot to send parcel bombs to the U.S. The U.S. has increased its drone attacks against militants in Yemen. On the next Fresh Air, we talk about Yemen with Jeremy Skehill, the
3: national security correspondent for The Nation. Join us. This afternoon at 2, here on 89.7 WGBH. This summer... You'll count on public radio to keep you connected to stories like this. With Mitt Romney all but certain to be the party's nominee, many voters... President
2: Obama is rolling out an economic message that's squarely aimed at college students.
3: Athletes,
6: journalists, and fans are getting ready to converge on London.
3: Help 89.7 get to the stories you care about and give a little bit more in support of a lot more coverage. To go above and beyond with an additional gift, Just click the Donate button at WGBH.org. Software. Green development. Innovation is what we in
4: Massachusetts are about.
3: Pharmaceuticals. The WGBH X-Economy Report, Friday
4: during Morning Edition. A partnership between X-Economy.com and 89.7
3: WGBH.
4: There's a special night
5: in the lives of all of us. A night to be beautiful, to be desirable, a night we can break all the rules and make our own prom night.
0: <laughs> welcome back to The Callie Crossley Show. I'm Sue O'Connell, sitting in for Callie. Joining me in the studio is our contributor, film critic, Garen Daly. He's here to talk about prom and how it's portrayed at the movies. Garen Daly, welcome back.
4: <laughs> My pleasure to be here, as it always. It is
0: just so much fun. Yeah. You know, I, um, I'm i wondering how much of prom uh, and prom culture is uh, you know is it an, it's a chicken and an egg thing you know that, that the kids and the young adults want to have the prom like like is in the movies and at the same time the movie is throwing it back from the kids and it just turns into this monster.
4: Yeah, you, you're right. I mean, there you, you look at it and, and you start looking at the numbers, just real numbers. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like. Two years ago, a family would spend about $800 on their kid for prom. Now, it's like $1,200. It's getting worse and worse Mm -hmm. and worse. And I remember when I went to my prom, all right, you rent a tux and you buy a corsage. Okay, you get out of it for less than 50 bucks, But... Nowadays, forget about it.
0: It's and and it just it starts younger and younger too. I'll just attest. It do, does it? Yes. I mean, well, you, now they have the uh, the the semi formal at sixth grade and the socials and the little. The, I mean, the boys are just wearing their khakis and their white shirts and a tie, but the girls are going all out. So,
4: yeah, I guess it has become more of a rite of passage. I mean, I don't remember it being that way for me, but I guess that's what it is. And the movies kind of kind of reflect that. Uh, I mean. I was going back and trying to figure out when was the earliest film that actually had a prominent – and the only one that I really came up with was It's a Wonderful Life.
0: You know, I I, I saw that on your list and I – one of my favorite movies – and is is it? Do you
4: remember the scene when they are getting ready to go to the dance? That's a graduation dance yes. slash prom. Oh, and that's where he re-meets Mary, and they have a disaster. Right, there. the floor opens the, the up. The floor opens up, and they get wet, and then that's I how fall they're fall into the
0: pool because yeah. the dance floor is over. I didn't know that was a. You're right. It's a prom. It's, it's a graduation a prom. prom. Yeah. That's great. Well, I want to play a clip from uh, one of our um, in a little. Uh, One of our favorite uh, prom movies, which you you can't talk about prom without (laughs) referencing. We're going to listen to, uh, of course, one of the great horror films of all time about a prom. This is Carrie.
4: It's the night of the senior prom. The Bates High School gym is alive with excitement. Everybody is there, even Carrie White. The girl who lives in that creepy house...
5: With her crazy mother, the girl with the strange power. If I
0: concentrate hard enough, I can move things.
5: But tonight,
4: no one will laugh at Carrie. If you don't have a date to the prom next Friday, would you like to go with me? She's with the best-looking boy in the senior class.
6: He's trying to trick me again.
4: She'll be voted queen of the prom. For Carrie, it will be a dream come
6: true. For everyone else it will be a nightmare
0: now this is to me the perfect prom movie because it's got all the great themes
4: it does well it's got
0: the ugly duckling <laughs> right no, right yeah, you
4: got the ugly duckling yet yeah, coming yeah.
0: you know you've got the I, and I, I have to say I've never seen I've never been to a prom in a gym but in the movies they're always in the gym
4: well I, ours I think ours wasn't mine was okay, in the gym well. but, I mean yeah I mean let's let's back up what I love about that trailer okay did you catch the name of the high school? No, Bates High School. Oh,
0: right, right. Okay, yes. did you
4: hear the music where it went?
0: Ee, yeah, yeah. I
4: mean, it's just a, a lot of homage to Hitchcock there. Homage. <clears throat> but you know, it, it, one of the things about proms, <coughs> excuse me, is that there is a danger there, that it is a rite of passage, that you're going from a very comfortable lifestyle of being a teenager and being in school for, what, 12 years? And you know that. And all of a sudden, you're going into adults. So there's always danger kind of lurking there. That's what the Palma does very, very nicely. And Carrie, of course, Stephen King wrote the book to begin with. But There is that danger. There is that tension. And there are other films where the danger that you can have really bad prom nights. Mm -hmm. You can have really things that just destroy your life. Gross Point Blank, Something About Mary is all about (laughs) 10 years after the prom trying to go back and reclaim some of that innocence.
0: We're going to listen to a little bit of uh, another one of my favorite movies, which is Mean Girls and the theme of atonement. Here's uh, the clip from Mean Girls. You know, I've never
6: been to one of these things before. And when I think about how many people wanted this, and how many people cried over it and stuff, I mean, I think everybody looks like royalty tonight. Look at Jessica Lopez. That dress is amazing. And Emma Gerber, I mean, that hairdo must have taken hours, and you look really pretty. So... Why is everybody stressing over this thing? I mean, it's just plastic. It's really just... Share it. A piece for Gretchen Wieners, a partial spring fling queen. A piece for Janice Ian.
4: Seriously, most people just take the crown and go.
6: And a piece for Gina George. She fractured her spine, and she still looks like a rock star. Thank you.
0: And some for everybody else. Ah, uh, Mean Girl gone right. There she is, accepting her her crown and and atoning for all of her prior high school sins.
4: Yes, but remember, this is Lindsay Lohan at a time when she wasn't wearing an ankle bracelet. That's true. And uh, back when, when, she actually, she an actress, when she was an actress, when she, she, she was actress. when she had a
0: promise, that she was a great actress. She
4: was a very good actress at that yeah. point, and one of these days she'll hopefully come back.
0: We can only hope.
4: But you know, the the, the simple idea of. There are a couple of things that go on in Mean Girls that I like. The first one is this was very much a product of its particular time where there seemed to be this movement in the world where everybody had to get an award. Everyone had to be the, the prom queen. Everyone had to win the race or get an award for just showing up. So there was this kind of empowerment going on within that film. The other part of it was is the, the fact that there was this clique of women who were running that school, which seems to be another theme that you see in a lot of these these films, who were trying to control what was going on. They were in control at a time when it was the last moment in their careers that they would probably be in control. That that was, I thought, one of the nicer things about Mean Girls.
0: It's uh, it's always a, uh, a, a it's just great to hear Lindsay Lohan again uh, as a real person and not a caricature of herself. So there you go. There, uh, <laughs> another great moment I think in uh, in Simen, Simen, Simenet, That's easy for me to be <laughs> uh, Muhammad. Uh, is uh, the uh, movie American Pie, which a great classic, and another great theme, which is about the as you were talking about the pressures and the expectation. Here's the prompt. Scene uh, where the guys are talking about how high the stakes are. Kevin, what's with the attitude? Attitude? Me? I mean, I think you guys should be a little bit more enthusiastic.
6: This is the night we've been waiting for. We're in this together. You guys can't back out. Kev, you don't need us to get late Are you afraid or something? No. Come on. I mean, we made a pact. You can't break that. You guys are just gonna have to. Have to what, Kev? Huh? I don't have to do shit. You know, forget it already. I, I I am so sick and tired of all this bullshit pressure. I mean, I, I've never even had sex and already I can't stand it.
0: I hate sex. You know, it's definitely prom night is one of those sort of New Year's Eves where sometimes it's for rookies, you yeah. know, and everybody else is just too cool for school, so to speak. But, you know, that really captures... Uh, again, to your point about the in-between being a kid and a grown-up and what's expected of you.
4: And, and what's expected is, is that there's this uh, idea within the male culture that you've got to lose your, if you haven't lost your virginity, you have to lose your virginity that night. And that that it is an important time to do that. So there's all this intense pressure and this peer pressure to perform, which obviously it drives that movie, uh, uh, American Pie, and it's many 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 sequels <laughs> um but it's 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 again it's, it's funny that you'd that Today you can just talk to any guy and just say two words and they know exactly what you're talking about. It comes from American Pie and then you say, Stifler's mom. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's all you've got to say – and automatically it does exactly what you do. You start smiling <laughs> and thinking about
0: it. There's also the great uh, tradition – I mean there are so many bad prom movies over the years too. But the great tradition of the dancing, you know, that um, – you know, I what I love about – one of the things I love about movies is that un- – if there's a crowd scene, everybody's happy to be there. You know, there's nobody who's been dragged to a concert. Everybody is full in, you know. And at the prom, everybody's a great dancer. Well, you know. Unless they're not supposed to be. <laughs> well,
4: unless they're not supposed to, but, but also, I mean. When you go to these dances as a kid, hardly anybody is a good dancer. I mean, there are a couple of kids, but it seems that all the best prom dancers migrated to Hollywood and got jobs in the industry (laughs) so that they could be in prom movies dancing. Because you take a look at something, Footloose, uh, you take a look at uh, Grease, and there are a bunch of them where you get these great choreographed scenes where people are really, really dancing well. And, you, and, of course, all the guys are really, really have great moves. And, all, and yes. all the girls are dancing in long legs with, with high heels on. It's amazing, you know. It's, but it is part of that fantasy of what a prom is, as we see on the screen. Because what they do show on the screen is a fantasy, much like a Fred and Ginger uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire movie, and many of the other dance movies that you see out there. So that dance sequence within a prom movie is usually a... Fantasy, and I think that's part of the attraction.
0: Well speaking about fantasy, there's there's no uh, group that is immune from uh, the prom infection, uh, especially werewolves and vampires. We're going to uh, take a little listen to a scene from Twilight where Bella and Edward are dancing at the prom:
4: So that's what you dream about becoming a monster.
0: I dream about being with you forever forever. And you're ready right now. Yes. Is it not enough just to have a long and happy life with me? Oh, gee. And then they went on and lived happily ever after and didn't have to go to a prom again.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but if you remember the movie, there's. there's and two, I did see it, yes. Okay. Uh, do you remember as they. Of course, there's a beautiful shot on mm-hmm. this little uh, Gond or uh, Coppola. And they're just the camera backs out and tracks back and, and up. And then there is another woman there, the presager of danger right. in the future. So that goes back to what I was talking about before, that there is danger because there is change coming up. And you're no longer safe and secure in your high school world. You're now going out into the world of being adult. So that rite of passage is portrayed in just about every single film that we see when we're talking about prom from movies from Hollywood.
0: What's your favorite? What You know, I know you've got a couple for a different, you know, a couple of different categories, but... Uh, what's up there even if it's just a scene
4: uh, i tell you i there is one that i really really like and again what i like about this particular film is first of all it's based on shakespeare and second that's always a good source mm-hmm. and second it stars uh, a young heath ledger and a young julia stiles it's called 10 things i hate mm-hmm. about you and it has all those themes where you know uh, a guy a cool guy is supposed to go out and get a uh, a very cold girl and make her into the swan that we've talked about the princess and in the course of the action she lo- loosens up he becomes more of a real man but the final scene when the can- again it's again that tracking back the final scene of them kissing in the parking lot when they realize that they actually like and love each other is a pullback and you see all these other people in the in that area also going through that transition and all of a sudden their little story becomes a very very little story
0: what's the worst (laughs) what's the one that you when you have to think about just prom night prom night Uh, yeah it's just a
4: bad horror film and and when when a bad horror film is bad it really is bad
0: (laughs) (laughs) what are some improvements you would you would add to uh to say to a director you've got a movie coming out you want to put a prom scene in it what what's missing what hasn't what haven't we seen what's what conflict has not occurred
4: well i'm I'm not sure about conflicts but i think that Any director who's making a prom scene movie needs to try and capture a little of what like Napoleon Dynamite Mm -hmm, caught, mm -hmm. some of that awkwardness, some of that, you know, uh, you you don't know what you're doing kind of thing, but you're trying. And I think that is more closely to what kids go through Mm -hmm. because you don't know. I mean, you know, it's the first time you've had a tux on. It's the first time you may have had a really expensive dress on. You don't know what the manners are. You don't really feel comfortable. It takes practice to be an adult.
0: It does. (laughs) Yes. And some of us are still working on it. It is amazing, though, just having gone through the prom uh, season with my my nieces and nephew, how how they change when they put the clothing on, though. You know, as if, you know, the power of costume and the power of expectations really makes – you know, we all talk about how old they look, but – Uh, it really does change them, at least for a few hours.
4: Well, I can tell you this. I have a tuxedo that I keep in my closet, and I love putting it on because it does make me feel like an adult. (laughs)
0: There you go, Garen Daly. We've been talking about prom on the big screen with film critic Garen Daly. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Sue O'Connell. I'm in for Callie Crossley. I'll be back tomorrow for the Week in Review. The Callie Crossley Show is a production of WGBH Boston Public Radio. the other